This is the Acting Up Podcast with your host, Allie Goodman. Welcome to the Acting Up with Allie Goodman podcast, a backstage pass to the life of a professional working actor and mom raising a kid with special needs. The school lost my kid. I'm going to take you back to the beginning of this whole shenanigan. Apparently it's one shenanigan. It was a multiple of shenanigan, so it was shenanigans. And I'm going to explain to you how many a ball was dropped many people are at fault, and what we're going to do about this. We've had a significant amount of problems with the transportation in this district, and I know that we're not alone. When I first posted about bus issues, and this was years ago, literally years ago, I had many people from other counties, states, districts, etc. say, oh yes, the bus issue, blah, 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 I never send my kids on the bus for this reason, this, that, and the other. So uh, it's not that we're new or alone in this situation, but it is a problem. And it is a real problem when you have children who cannot advocate for themselves, be it that they're too young or they're in a position that they don't have a voice to advocate for themselves, as such as my child. So if I take you back to the very first incident we ever had with a bus, it actually was in the summer program so the extended school year program of the summer when Jackson was three so he had recently had his diagnosis his diagnosis had been in June and he was already in the program and when this first went down my I'm a little fuzzy on the timeline he might not have had his appointment yet he might not have had his diagnosis yet uh, but we were super close to that but we did know that he doesn't really talk so we had put him on a small group transportation, which in this case was literally like a small bus. And it's a bus that actually pulls into your driveway rather than taking him to a bus stop. We had tried that the first day. But because the extended school year has kids from kindergarten to eighth grade, or I'm sorry, preschool to eighth grade, he was way too young to be on a bus with eighth graders. And there was no aid on that bus. So they were like, this is probably not the best choice. So a few we, you know, about a week and a half or so went by, we were driving him every day. And then they set up this small group transportation for him. And he was one kid on of seven on this bus. He was the last one. No, I'm sorry. He was the first one picked up and the last one dropped off, I believe is how that worked. Uh, so we, you know, it worked out fine for the first couple of days. Everything seemed okay. The protocol is you take your kid onto the bus and you strap them in. They're in a five-point harness. And then when they get to the school, there's an aide or a paraprofessional who goes onto the bus and gets them off the bus. Great. So you think the checklists and protocols and all that stuff is in place. Great. They get them to their classroom and then a paraprofessional takes the kids who are taking a bus of any kind or whatever back to the bus area and puts them on the bus and straps them in and they go. So this worked out fine for a few days. And the, oh, and then when they show up to our house, we get out on the bus, obviously, and take them off the bus. So that's how it works. The bus driver doesn't actually like strap them in or do anything. Fine. Fine. Totally understood. Well, I get a call out of the blue. Now, remember, this is a number of years ago. So I get a call and they say, Jackson's fine, but he's here still at school. He didn't make it to the bus. And I was like, well, how did he not make it to the bus? And they said, well, the paraprofessional who was walking him and another child to the bus, the bus thought they had all the kids, so they took off and didn't have him on it. And I was like, well, that's bizarre, thinking there's seven kids on that bus. How hard is it to make sure everybody's there? But whatever, things happen. I said, fine. They said they're going to they had already called for another bus to come and get him and I thought okay fine and he was waiting with one of the paraprofessionals at the school fine okay cool 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 about mm, five or six minutes later the original bus arrives now you have to understand it's the same bus driver every day so and the same bus and so when this little bus arrives and it's the bus driver I'm in the bathroom and I tell John to go get Jackson off the bus and he goes out and he comes back and he says no that was the original bus and I was like what do you mean that was the original bus and he said that was the bus that left him and I was like 
you mean they showed up? Like, why, why did they show up? And I'm sitting here thinking, maybe she thought we picked him up. Maybe she had some idea that he wasn't coming home. This was my immediate thought. And she looked very confused and surprised. And John said, he's still at the school. You left without him. And she said, no, he's in the back. He's quiet. He's always quiet. And John goes on the bus and he's like, there is nobody here. There is no child on this bus. So she was just as surprised. So clearly she didn't turn her head to count the children. She didn't cross check with anybody that all the kids that she was supposed to have were on the bus. And she literally thought my kid was still there. That's crazy. Suffice it to say I wasn't happy. Jackson showed up on a bus by himself. He was fine. I went and got him. He came off the bus and we went on. But I was not happy. And when they called me from the company, the bus driver actually herself called me and she apologized. And I said, it's fine. We're just going to drive him ourselves every day because, I, I mean, this should not happen and it's wrong. And I can't believe that you somehow didn't see a three-year-old on or not on your bus. And she kept trying to defend herself saying, well, but he doesn't talk. And I'm like, you turn your head and you have seven kids. She's like, well, one of the kids was sick that day, so I only had six. I'm like, you didn't count the kids. So clearly you only had five. Like it was so ridiculous. Her defense of it was ridiculous. And I thought this is, I don't even want to have this conversation with you. And we scheduled an appointment with the principal for the summer program, went in and talked to her, said, what are your checklists? How is this going to be remedied? How are you changing this and fixing this? And she met with us and she seemed sympathetic, but she never really got back to us about how policies were going to get fixed or changed. And my last email went unanswered. And in the end, I ended up driving him every day because I didn't trust that the buses were going to get him there and back safely. Now, I want to just preface this by saying he had gone to his preschool the entire year before and he had ridden the bus and he was doing the afternoon and when they got on the bus it was the, it happened to be the teacher that is his teacher rode his bus so he lucked out in that way now on the way home it was not his teacher and it was uh somebody else so uh i my you know it it didn't end up you know but whoever came home with him was an aide and knew him and all that kind of stuff so um, it might have been the other way around. I can't remember. But regardless, there was always somebody on the bus. I mean, they're three-year-olds to five-year-olds, so clearly. But uh, there was always somebody on the bus, and he seemed to be fine. And it all went really well, so I never worried about it. So then we skip forward to that summer. We have this incident. I say forget it. And I'm thankful that the school year starts and we have a brand new, you know, go back to our regular bus and everything should be fine. Well, he's now in the mornings and on the way – onto the bus uh, in the mornings. It's, you know, somebody, somebody I don't know, and it's not, or it's his teacher on the way, but it's not his teacher on the way home because I remember he was returning when all of this went down. This is now the second bus incident that happened. So he's returning on the bus, and he had maybe been in school for two weeks. And they come around the corner, and I'm standing there waiting, and I hear crying when the door opens. Now, you have to understand, we're not supposed to get on the bus, the general bus. They get unstrapped and then they come down and we're not we as the parents are not supposed to get on these buses so the bus that we're allowed to get on or supposed to get on or have to get on is a small group transportation this is the general bus and the general bus they don't want the parents doing it I guess to foster independence etc etc fine so I'm standing at the bottom and I hear crying and I kind of look up and I see Jackson's face is buried in this aide's you know shirt and I don't understand yet that my child's the one that's crying and the bus driver starts yelling at me. What do you, what is, what's with him? He can't, he has to keep his seatbelt on. He has to, he can't do what he did. He took his seatbelt off and he went, and, I, and then Jackson pulls his face out and I realize that he's bleeding. His face, had, he smashed his face. He's bleeding. There's blood on his shirt. There's blood under his nose. He, he was wearing glasses at the time because we were doing like a vision therapy thing. So they had him in these glasses not for vision seeing, like not because he had nearsightedness or farsightedness or anything. He just, he was doing a vision therapy thing. So we had glasses on, but long story short, he's bleeding. And I'm standing there just so, sort of frozen because there's other kids on the bus. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Am I, am I coming on to get him? I wasn't, I just didn't, I was so in shock. And she's like, get, come on, get him. And I was like, oh, okay. And I'm like, why are you yelling at me? And she's like, well, he took his seatbelt off and he's not supposed to do that. And I go, 
and that was when I lost it. And I said, first of all, you're yelling at me. And I go, my child is autistic. Are you aware of this? That he has a diagnosis of autism? Are you aware of this? And she's like, yes, but he can't take his seatbelt off. And I'm like, well, then we have a problem because he is a three-year-old and I – you have to be watching him. And the aide was apologetic. And she said, you know, I moved to go talk to another child because he was hitting another child or something had happened between him and another child and not Jackson, but these two other kids. And so she left his seat to go over there. And that's when he took his seat off because they thought he was too excited that he was coming home, which in Jackson's case, that wasn't probably it. He wasn't like anticipating that he was getting home. He was playing with the seatbelt because that's what Jackson does. And he figured out how to undo it because seatbelts are not difficult. So that threw a whole monkey wrench into things. Thank goodness he was okay. Um, I mean, he had, he had, he his face was, you know, bruised a little bit and he was bleeding, but he was fine, like physically fine. Uh, and I was frustrated and angry and I decided that I was just going to drive him for the rest of the year, which is what I did. I mean, this was my, so now I'm now inconvenienced again and it also doesn't give him that independence. But here I am driving him every day, taking him to school every day. I and mean, this is just the only way that I could make sure that he was going to get there safely and get home safely so that's what I did and we did that all the way through his his preschool until we started school in kindergarten so kindergarten they wanted to put him on the general bus but I said I don't want him to go on the general bus unless he has an aide because I knew that putting him on the general bus without somebody being there meant that he was going to take his seatbelt off or he was going to have some sort of an issue. Oh, well, we don't usually do aids on the general bus unless there's like a medical reason. I was like, well, there is a medical reason. You've already had a couple of incidences here, so I need an aid on the bus. We had it put in his IEP. I fought for it. He got an aid on the general bus. Fine. In the meantime, I have an infant, a baby, just been born, and they put his uh, – bus stop so far away from my front door that I would have to drag this baby out in the middle of the winter in the middle of rain in the middle of whatever because I couldn't leave him in the house without you know there was nobody else there so this became a real frustration for me because that I, I learned that there's two incidences that happened here Jackson was the only child at his bus stop and two uh, the, the, there had been another child at the bus stop, but he successfully moved his bus stop to right in front of his house. And I lobbied for the same thing to just have even across the street would have been easier because I could see my front door and I could get, you know, I could easily get him to the bus very quickly and not worry about leaving my baby alone for a number of time because we could look outside the window see the bus coming and know that he could go it wasn't this bus didn't even come past our house it could have but it didn't so it would turn down the street that's at the corner of ours and it would go and turn another corner and I found out Jackson was the last kid picked up so it's the parallel streets he they easily could have just gone down our street I don't know why they wouldn't I, I fought for them to not turn and they said they had to turn there was no other kids on the bus. There were no other kids post Jackson's stop. So it was, they basically were just willfully not allowing this change. So I was frustrated by that. The second issue that happened was the very first day that the bus showed up, there was no aid on the bus. Now, this is in violation of his IEP, which is actually like a legal document. So I did not put him on the bus and I had to put him and the baby in the car and get him to school. And fine, you know, it's the first day of school and that happens, but the remedy of the situation there was no apology there was nobody said anything and nobody and the aid was never the same we started out with one aid then we got another aid then we had another aid then we had an I, mean, I think we had like six different aids and I was like I don't even know I don't even know who to expect to come we then had four different bus drivers so there was no consistency and it felt really random and I couldn't get them to understand that this was getting stressful because a lot of other kids who are going into first grade now Jackson was in kindergarten but now going into first grade they take themselves to and from the bus stop and we just sort of would the parents will just wait for them to foster this independence well Jackson's a six-year-old who is 
basically nonverbal. He's moderately verbal. But if you ask him a direct question nine times out of ten, he's not going to answer you, even if he has that information. It's just the way he is. It's how he processes. He's a special needs kid. And every time that I would try to talk to them, they would say, well, we can give you small group transportation. And I explained to them that we already had trouble with small group transportation. And they would say, well, this is the only option we have. We can't move your bus stop. So I fought with them, fought with them. And finally, I just said, fine. Let's just try small group transportation. And they said, it's probably not going to be Saptran. It's probably going to be one of these small cab companies. And I say cab in quotes. That's what they call it, being on the cab. But they're actually like little cars or they're like cars or minivans that are created by these companies that are subcontracted out that handle these kinds of things. Usually it's, you know, kids with special needs or kids that are out of the district that have to be brought in for whatever purpose because the school has the the right kind of facility for them or whatever it happens to be. I don't know all the reasons, but not I would say that 90% of the kids that come on one of these small group transportations are have some sort of a disability or some sort of a special needs that requires them to not take the regular bus. That's that's my understanding. There's three or four different companies that they use. And so I had said, fine, let's do this. Let's set it up. Let's have him picked up every day. They said they come to your house. And I was like, well, that's better. And uh, I said, who's coming? And they said, well, we don't know yet. Uh, they'll they'll figure it out between them which companies they're going to send. And I thought, okay. And then I thought, well, am I going to get a phone call? Is anybody going to let me know what to look for? What is protocol? Yeah, 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 you'll hear. Well, day one, he doesn't get picked up. Completely forgot. Okay, great. I drive him to school. Yes. And with Jordan as well. Get him to school, drop him off, tell the teacher. She's like, yeah, yeah. And I went and I told the front desk, you know, the secretary, she left a message for the, the vice principal who's in charge of transportation at that school. Great. Done made it happen. Next day, they don't show up <laughs> again. And I'm like, great. So I take him to school. I run into the uh, person and I say, they didn't show up again. And she said, okay, I'll call and I'll figure it out. And I was like, great. Can I get a phone call so that I know for sure that they're coming or that I know what the protocol is? Yes, yes, yes. Well, no one ever calls me. Nobody emails me. I get no response. I do get a call from the company saying at 840, they were like, we're here. And I'm like, well, you're 20 minutes late because he has to be at school at 836 and it's 841. So, oh, okay, well, we'll be here tomorrow at 820. Great. And I'm like all set now. It's now Wednesday. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to get ready to put him in the car, my car, to drive him if they're not here. 821. I see a car outside of our driveway, not on the driveway, mind you, not in the driveway, just sort of hovering near our driveway. So I get Jackson and I take him outside and nobody gets out of the car. Nobody says anything. And I'm just standing there and I see this gentleman in there and he kind of rolls his eyes and he un and he opens the car door and I say, hi, I'm Allie. This is Jackson. This is our first time getting in your car and we don't know you and he doesn't introduce himself he does not tell me his name he says oh do you need a seat and he had some sort of like broken english uh it sounded like russian or some sort of an accent and i said yes he's six he needs a seat so he opens up the back like his trunk and pulls out this dirty dusty booster seat now jackson's not doesn't ride in a booster seat normally in our car he is in a five-point harness because he's wily and smart and he will undo a seatbelt. but the truth is his school is less than five minutes away from our house like it is even with traffic even with you know lights and everything it's a very quick trip to school and when he's in a in a car with somebody else not with us he doesn't tend to act up like that so I figured okay it's a short enough trip he'll be fine so he puts him in and no, again, nobody's told me if I'm supposed to strap him in, if they're supposed to strap him in. I don't know what the, the protocol is. So he gets in and I look at him and he looks at me and I'm like, am I going to do this? And he goes, he goes, oh, he's a big boy. And I was like, yeah, am I supposed to strap him in or do you do it? What's the protocol? And he says, and he just sort of reaches in and he straps him in. Like he puts the seatbelt in. And Jackson's just looking at me like, is this okay? And so I say, I got your, I've got your backpack, buddy. You'll be just fine. And so I put the backpack in the car and I give him a kiss. And the gentleman says to me, uh, somebody there to see him, to get him. 
And I was like, you mean when he gets to his destiny? Yes, he's he's going to school. There's a teacher there who will see him. I said, do you know where you're taking him? He said, yes, it's to the school. And I was like, yeah, to the school. Okay. But something about it made me really uncomfortable. And because it was his first time and it was the first time he'd ever gotten in this car and I didn't know if we were going to have this guy all the time or if it was going to be a different car every day. Again, nobody has told me anything at this point. I, I snapped a picture of the van and I snapped the name of the company and I guess each of those that company has a number like 102 or whatever. So I took a picture of that and immediately while I was standing in the driveway texted that picture and a note to his teacher and basically said he's taking the van today but I don't think that the guy was super clear on the details so kind of look out for him because he's coming now she doesn't know where we live necessarily so she doesn't know how long it should take for him to get there so this is where the first breakdown happened I think I texted her like if I'm standing in the driveway the the earliest they could have pulled out of the driveway was 825 because that text arrived delivered at 826 so even if there was a delay in the text that was the quickest that they would have left the house because I was standing there when I sent the text and then I immediately sent a text to my husband with pretty much the same thing like they picked him up but it's a little sketch and then I went on with my day my day consisted of Jordan was getting an evaluation for EI for early intervention and I had to be home and I had to have the house ready because we were doing a meeting in our house so I'm waiting for all of that I don't hear anything nobody says anything to me the time is going by I'm prepping the house I'm getting things ready I'm you know making sure that Jordan's good and it's like 9:35-ish, 9:36-ish. And I realized that Jordan had gone to the bathroom and I needed to change his diaper. Our meeting was scheduled for 945. So I knew that somebody was going to be showing up soon. So I grabbed Jordan to take him upstairs. And of course, it was like a blowout and a hole to do. And I had to change him and fix all that and get it going. I left my phone downstairs and the doors, one of the people for the meeting was knocking on the door and I'm like, I'm coming, I'm upstairs with the baby. Like it was just one of those crazy moments. So I get Jordan cleaned up, I get everything done, I go downstairs, I open the door, she comes in, we're waiting for the other person to arrive. She said she was going to be a few minutes late. We were debating whether we should just call her and start the meeting without her. It was one of those situations. And I said, well, if we're going to call her, let me grab my phone. And I grab my phone and I realized that there's a voicemail that had come in at 938. Okay, so I just want to I just want to put this out. School starts at 8:36, okay? They left my house at 8:25, 8:26. It takes about 5 7 minutes at the most to get to that school. So there should have been no problem that they should have been at the school by 8:36, like without fail. Granted, the person that I texted that to doesn't know where I live and could have been 10, 15 minutes after I sent that, that he would have shown up for whatever purpose. And maybe there's other kids. I mean, usually these cab, these little, uh, when you're on the cab, you're picked up by more than, there's more than one child in the car. But I did ask the guy, this was the other thing I asked him, is he the only kid you're picking up? He didn't quite understand my question. And so I revised, I was like, are you picking up any more children? And he said, no. So Jackson is his only, only person that he picks up in his cab. So I was like, okay. So I knew that he was the only one. So I knew they were going straight to the school after they left. There was no one else he was picking up. So it wasn't like there was a delay in that way. But she didn't know that. So long story short, it's 938 and there's a there's a message on my phone from the school. And it says, this is the principal. Now, <laughs> a little caveat. This is a brand new principal. The principal from last year is gone. So I haven't met this principal yet. And I... And so I don't know her. I know her name, but I don't know her. And she says there was something like trouble or a problem happened with Jackson's. Um, I need you to give me a call when you get a chance. And I, he's safe and fine, but we need to discuss the steps of what happened. And I, I, I closed that voicemail. I looked at the person that I was about to have this meeting with. And I said, I guarantee you they dropped my kid off at the wrong school. Uh, or took him to the wrong school. I didn't think that he actually got dropped off. I was like, I bet they took him to the wrong school. And she looked at me like I was a little nuts. And I said, it actually happened yesterday when, or the first day that we we took Jackson to school, we heard that a little child had been dropped off at the wrong school. But the schools are literally like next door to each other. So one of the people walked him over to the other school. I'm thinking that's what happened. I'm thinking no big deal. And it's also 938. So it's like uh, clearly this happened had to have happened a while ago you know not even thinking anything of it right because he left my house at 8 26 i'm like all right i will deal with this after our meeting i will call them back well as we're waiting for the other person to show up john calls me 
And I'm like, oh, he must have gotten the same voicemail because he's at work. And he goes, uh, did you get a call? And I said, yeah, they left me a message. I haven't had a chance to call them back. I'm assuming that it was something with the transportation. I mean, you know, I felt it was sketch. And he cuts me off and he says, no, I spoke to them. And I am so angry. I don't even know how to speak. Like, I can't. I'm so angry. I'm calm, which is actually very dangerous with John. It's not good. And I said, what, what are you talking about? What happened? He goes, oh, they didn't just drop him off at the wrong school. They dropped him off and he was by himself wandering around with and like this is the information that we have like they didn't know they didn't know that he was missing from school and they didn't know where he was and it was this big confusion and he didn't actually get back to the school and back into the classroom until we got the phone call from the school so while he was roaming around some other school nobody thought to call us when they figured out who he was which, by the way, took time. So now let me walk you through now. I have to just be honest with you. Like this all went down. I'm in this meeting. I'm like hysterically crying. I don't know what to do. I know he's safe, but I know I don't want to go over there and scare him because I know he's now with the teacher that I trust. But I also don't understand why I never heard back from her. I don't understand why they didn't call me when he was at the wrong school. How did they get him back? I don't have any details. John's walking to the train because he was on his way home. It just happened to be a day that he got cut early. So he was coming home, but he like, couldn't talk to me and so I was basically with panic but also with safe panic because I knew he was safe and I knew he was okay but the possibilities of what could have happened were still roaming through my brain so this was the emotional state I was in while I'm trying to do this meeting for Jordan everybody was very kind about it and but it still was it was just awful and the whole thing was just awful and so I was trying to tamp all that down so I could focus on Jordan and not upset him because he's just you know roaming around the living room and I'm trying to have this meeting it was just so I knew that once this meeting was over which it wasn't going to be a long meeting but once it was over I had to figure out what to do and I was waiting for John to come home and Jordan needed a nap so I here I am just a ball of emotion I don't know what's going on I haven't called the t the, the principal back because John spoke to her and I'm also so upset and so angry that I don't don't even know what to do but I also know that he's safe so I'm stuck in this world of I don't want to go bother him I don't want to upset the situation I can't leave because I have a baby who's now napping after this meeting and I I don't want to call them because I don't really want to talk to them on the phone right now because I'm so emotional so <laughs> I I opted for sitting on the couch for a few minutes and just sort of breathing and waiting now I'm still waiting for John to come home and I'm still just kind of processing everything and I just fell apart and I started to cry and I call my mom and I'm telling her the story and I'm just I'm lost it and the the information that I have is not 100% but I I know that I'm going to have to figure out all the details and anyway John gets home we talked through what had happened the information that he had sounded like he got brought to a school that is in the district but far away so it takes a good 12 minutes probably longer depending on the on the route that you take and because there's such long lights so there's a light that takes almost three and a half minutes before it changes so that plus it was probably a good 15 minutes before he got to the school and then the story we heard was that somebody received him at the school he got out and somehow made his way to the playground. Now, we had never seen this school. So we thought, well, maybe the playground's right there in the front. So you can see it. And so he probably pointed to go to the playground because they said he gestured to the playground. So they figured he knew where he was going. And he just went to the playground. Um, there was also a story where they had him go line up. But then he got out of the line. But I don't know why they would have him line up for a class that they didn't know that he belonged to. Because they assumed he was a new student. But nobody cross-checked anything. So all of there was all these big questions how did he know there was a playground there how how did he get to the playground who who took him from the cab then there was this story that the the van driver was really anxious because there were people honking at him and he was in a rush to leave and so he just sort of dropped him off and took off which was another option so I was like well did he let him out of the the van so there were, you can understand there were so many stories swirling around we didn't know what the truth was so finally John and I and Jordan go over to the school because we figure we're going to pick him up. We have to pick him up anyway because he has therapy in the afternoon. So we figured we'd go a little early, try to talk to the principal and see what happened. So the principal and the vice principal come in and they sit down with us. And they said basically the cab dropped him off at the wrong school. And I said, how did they get that school? And they said, we don't know. Okay, great. So they get him to the school. The way they described it is that somebody received him but 
thought he was a new student, so he was let out. He said he wanted to go to the playground or gesture to the playground, and they were all walking to the playground area where some of the kids line up for school. There's uh, classrooms all around the school, so the one by the playground is actually typically the right age for where Jackson would be. Now, they don't know him. They don't know what age he is. They don't know anything about him. So I don't understand how they got this idea that he should be in that area anyway. But he followed the kids, I guess, to that area is what the the thought of it was. And the social worker was walking with them. But I guess she had to then stay to receive more kids coming from more cars. So the whole thing is very sketchy. Let's just put it that way. We're not sure where this breaks down. But anyway... He gets there, he's on the playground, and apparently the bell rings, everybody goes in, and he's on the playground, and there's two other kids on the playground and two moms. And one of the moms kind of figures out that he probably shouldn't be there, and she asks the other mom if if he belongs to her, and she says no. And so then she goes up to Jackson and says, what's your name? And Jackson doesn't really talk to strangers. He doesn't talk to anybody, really. He talks to us and the people that he knows really well. And if you ask him a pointed question and know it's going to take him time to answer, you have that way of asking the question so that he'll answer it but if you don't know him and you you ask him just as you would a neurotypical child he's going to answer you maybe and in this case he he didn't he might have made up a name i don't know what he said we weren't a hundred we're not 100 sure what he said and then she got out of him how old he is which is six and so she called the principal of that school it just so happens that she has a personal relationship with the principal they're friends and she not didn't say somebody needs to come out here there's a child out here who didn't go in for the bell but she said literally this principal needs to come outside he came out he went and got jackson they sat down together and talked for a few minutes i found all this out later and talked for a few minutes and somehow he went into the office with him and he got it out of him that his name is jackson so he looked it up in the system the system said that that he goes to his school and so they got that information and they called our school so his home school they called the school and the school says oh yeah he's our student and in the meantime the he had called the company the cab company the the van company to come and get him so (laughs) so then that company shows up they put him in it alone and he rides back to the school our home school and he gets out and he gets into his classroom and the first i hear about it or john hears about it is when he's back and safe in class Nobody calls us when he's at this other school. Nobody called us when he was, whether we wanted him to take this company's car again to go back to the school. Nobody gave us any information. We didn't hear from them until he was literally in, back at the home school in his class. So I asked the question, why did nobody call us? And I got, if I had to do it again, I would change that and I would have called you back then. I'm like, you think you gave me no choices here I had no idea that my child was missing and he was clearly missing for a while so then I said why did nobody how did you not know that he was missing oh well we don't really collect the attendance until later yeah but I texted his teacher what time did he show up at this other school oh like like eight twenty-seven. Oh no he did not He did not show up that early because he left my house at 826 or 825. And the school is a good 12 to 15 minutes from my house with lights and traffic. And she said, oh, well, maybe it was 837. I'm like, yeah, maybe. Whoever clocked your time is wrong because that – they didn't show up to our house until 821 and it took time to get him in in the car and go. Because I was trying to talk to this guy and he didn't even have the seat ready. So there's no way that this could have happened in the time frame that you're telling me. So something is breaking down here. Something happened here. So all of it doesn't make sense to me. And I'm assuming that their school starts around the same time. So at the first bell ring at 836, he couldn't have been at that school for very long. So they didn't really have a good answer for me. And I wasn't happy with how it left. And I said, this isn't over and I'm still angry and there's a problem and I don't, I want to know how you're going to fix it. And I want to talk to the superintendent. And they said, well, you, you, we, let me, let me call the assistant superintendent because they're the one in charge of transportation. And so I got a call from her and she tried to relay the same information to me and I told her that their time frame is wrong and I explained why. And I said, I have a timestamp. I know. 
she has a timestamp on in her phone and both of them say 826 so i don't know where you're coming up with the fact that he got to that school at 827 i mean and it shouldn't matter except for the fact that clearly you don't even know what you're doing so i she came up with this idea that she would get in the car the next morning and be there for him to get in the car and then we would figure out from that point forward that there would be an aide in the car with him and I said okay so the next morning I met her and you know she was much nicer on the phone than she was in person I'll just be honest and uh we got she got in the car and he got in the car and we got him going and I asked I said I never got a protocol of how this works am I strapping him in or is the driver strapping him in you strap him in great I will do that so they leave he gets to school fine it's all very stressful I finally get a chance to talk to his teacher a little bit and she says you know that she had told the secretary to that this that he was coming but again she didn't know how long away he lived so she was sort of surprised when at like 10 after 15 after the bell that he still wasn't there so she alerted them but nobody did anything about it because why it was the third day of school and nobody was worried and nobody had time to just dispatch the the company to find out where's where's this kid this special needs kid who's supposed to be in class and is not there and nobody's there I mean and was there somebody outside waiting for him for him to show up to accept him at our homeschool and why weren't they worried that he still wasn't there and why did nobody text me and why did nobody call me you know all of these questions are still kind of up in the air right and then when they found out that he was at the school and safe why wouldn't you call me then so again all these questions are still there all these questions are still out there and it's all stressful because as I think about my kid I thought you're lucky it was my kid who was happy to be on the playground but what if he decided to leave what if he had to go to the bathroom what if he was hungry what if a million and one things could have happened here what if he just decided to take a walk as Jackson is known to do you can get out of a school very easily if you're on the playground it's not like you're locked in so we decided John and I that we needed to go check out this school since we'd never been there we wanted to see what it looked like so we went over there and we took a look and first of all you can't see that there's a a playground at the school unless you go to the back of the school so somehow he got to the behind the school Um, and granted I learned later that yes kids line up at the back of the school in the blacktop back there because there's I think it's like kindergarten first and second grades all line up there so it made sense that he was there but how did he know to go back there well the the thought process is that he followed other kids around the school okay fine it also could have just been Jackson running around the school to explore it because Jackson likes to go around corners and do stuff like that fine also saw that there's this pathway like a, a concrete path like a sidewalk that takes you right out to the street from that area so unless somebody's there policing him Jackson would have could have from there gone out there's also construction happening all over there in this huge field I mean there were ways for him to get hurt really badly he could have fallen off of the playground and hurt himself and nobody would have been there I mean the fact that this mom was clearly watching a situation that she just felt uncomfortable with and then took action is amazing because had there been no parents there that day maybe it was raining maybe nobody decided to stay to play on the playground there would have do you know what I mean like anything could have happened to my kid and the fact that he doesn't really talk could you just imagine him roaming around somewhere (sighs) breaks my heart and makes me very very angry so the upshot is what they've done so far is they've done this rotating schedule with the paraprofessionals the aides that are in Jackson's school class and they are putting somebody in the car every day and they come to the house and they pick him up and they drive to the school and that is it and he has somebody there every single day and they get out of the car together and long story short everybody's fine so I want that put into his IEP so I called an IEP meeting and we are going to meet and I'm going to put it in his IEP that until and unless I decide that this changes and he doesn't need it anymore you will have the small group transportation and you will have an aide in there with him every day I don't care how you have to make that happen but you're making that happen because this could have been a huge lawsuit if I wanted to pursue it especially considering all of the other transportation issues we've had and frustrations we've had and fights that we've had and violations of the IEP that we've had I'm so over it I'm so over the fight I'm so over them not caring about our kids and treating them like they're second-class citizens and how do you not train these people 
in a situation where you know that the reason that you have these small group transportation companies is because you have kids with special needs. What kind of training is happening? What are the protocols that are in place? Why was Jackson brought to the wrong school? So we went and talked to the principal at the other school, and he says – he gave us a little more details, most of which are not important. The point being that when he got out of the car, this is the most important, uh, she asked the driver if he's supposed to be at the school. So even she was curious. This is, I think, the social worker of that school. And the driver was impatient and said, yes, he's supposed to be here. And he, like, showed her in his system that his name and that he was, you know, supposed to be there. And apparently if the companies are using a drop-down menu – those two schools are are if you're doing it in alphabetical order they would be in this district right on top of the other one our school would be above this one this is the last would be the last school so it's possible they clicked the wrong one so the address that came up was the address for this school and not our school but even so even so let's just be honest here that's a huge error that's a huge oversight nobody double checked with anybody nobody called me nobody said hey I'm picking up your child tomorrow I'm taking him to this school I'm you know taking this route he's the only child on the thing please be prepared that you're gonna strap him in and that's how we and and do you need a booster seat like or whatever you know whatever the why does that not happen so that there's not double checks on the whole situation? Why, when he's received, do they when they take the regular bus, they have these bus tags that say, you know, there's a code that says that they're at this school and they're supposed to be on this bus so that they can double check that. Those are attached to their backpack. Why is there nothing like that for the small group transportation? These are the kids that are the most vulnerable, and yet we're not treating them like they have any vulnerability, and we're just sending them off to... What felt like in my world, I literally feel feel like I sent my kid off to slaughter in a way. Like just to, and maybe I'm being over dramatic about it, but nobody knew where my kid was for a really long time, for way too long. My kid, who can't speak and advocate for himself, nobody knew where he was. This is not okay. It's not. And even if you have a neurotypical six year old, do you want them stuck at school? Just hanging out on a playground at a school that they're they're not familiar with and a place that they don't know, thinking like, oh, mom's, mom and dad or my caregiver sent me in this thing. They must know. They must think that this is okay and then have them worrying about it. My kid can't tell me that he's upset. My kid can't. I mean, he can't tell me that he's scared. I mean, he can, but he rarely does. And in my kid's case, this stuff comes out later. This comes out later when he's talking about something totally else. And then he'll make a reference. This happened with our dog. Our dog died and he didn't talk about it at all until two weeks later out of nowhere he says, Sparky's gone. Sparky's not coming back. That came out of nowhere. It was There was no trigger. There was no, we didn't see another dog. We didn't have a reason for that to come up. We weren't talking about death or anything like that. We weren't even talking about Sparky. We were talking about nothing. And out of nowhere, out of his mouth, that's what came out. Which means he's been processing that. He's been thinking about it. He's been dealing with that on his own. And that's the first time he verbalized it. I don't know what's going on in my kid right now. I don't know if he is scared and lost trust and wonders why mommy put him in this car with a stranger and then he showed up to a place that he's never been with no one he knows all alone. I don't know. I don't know. And what pissed me off the most was them telling me, oh, well, he's fine. He doesn't seem upset by it. Yeah, he doesn't seem upset by it because you don't know my kid. You don't know what will upset him and you don't know how he's going to process this later. And you're right, maybe nothing, but maybe something. You can't treat a neurodiverse kid's reaction the same way you treat a neurotypical kid. You can't. So, yeah. Many many balls were dropped. So like I said, our upshot is an IEP meeting, putting it in place that legally they have to have an aid every single day, whatever company they decide to go with. I'm really irritated that they're still using the same small cab company. I'm even more irritated when I talked to the other principal and found out that when they came to pick him up, it was the same driver. There's so many things that went wrong in this situation. I can't even separate them all. And for those of you who are sitting here angry as I am and wondering why we didn't pursue a lawsuit because we really, we have a case, here's why. There's a couple of reasons. Number one, 
I like his school. For all their flaws and all their problems, they actually have a really good program. And Jackson loves his teacher, his his special education teacher. And the program that they're putting together for him has actually been very good for him. I like that it's his home school. We actually lucked out. It could have been in any school in the district that they did this program. It just so happens that it's his home school. And I like that it's close. And I like that it's easy to get to. And that I have his afternoons when I pick him up to take him to his therapies that I don't have to go, you know, an hour out of my way or half an hour out of my way to go get him and take him somewhere else. The truth is that I could have brought a lawsuit and had them send him to a private school and made them pay for it because he was clearly put in jeopardy in their care. And I could, I could do that. I could have done that. I could have pursued a lawyer and done all of this. But in the end, I don't want to change his school right now. I do think that he's in a good place. I like that he pushes into a general education classroom. I think that they care about him. I think it was a lot of an oversight. I don't think that they're bad people. They're not going out of their way to abuse him. For now, I'm taking it in stride that they're going to continue this process of putting him in this small group transportation with an aide. And that's going to stay until we make changes. And those changes can't be made without me. I, I have to sign off on them. John has to sign off on them. And they, so they can't just decide, oh, we're done. The, re- the with, Without an IEP and it in place, they could do, do whatever they want. They don't have to even follow through with what they said they would follow through with. So I want it in place. And to me, that's some protection so that that could actually, if I ever had to go to court, I have it in the IEP that this is what's going on and why. So that's why. That's why we are not pursuing this. I mean, the truth is that what upsets me the most about it is that it's not just my kid. You know, this has probably happened to other kids. Like I said, I already saw that one other kid got dropped off at the wrong school. But I don't know how to fight this so that this stops happening, so that the the right trainings are being done, so that you're, they're using companies that actually care, that will make phone calls, put policies in place that will change it. And I don't know how to go there. I don't know if I need to go to the school board. I don't know if I need to attend a meeting or a PTO or something like that. I don't know who to talk to. But it goes back to one of the episodes where I discussed that, you know, we get this email for us to contribute money so that they can give our teachers, the the regular general school teachers, gifts and things, which is lovely and great, and they deserve it. I mean, they, they work very hard, but nobody thinks about and nobody prepares anything for the special education teachers who do so much more. They do so much. They are on it in so many ways that the general teachers aren't. It's just a different skill set, but nobody acknowledges them in the same way. And I can't afford to do it all myself. So it turns into this, how do we stop treating not just the kids who are in these programs as second-class citizens, but also the people who are educating them and working with them and bringing them into a better situation? How do we honor them as well? There's so much that is wrong and broken with our systems, and they need to be changed. And I'm not sure where to go with this. If you have any suggestions on on the best way for me to then attack this so that we can make some policy changes so we can, if we're going to start mainstreaming and doing these pushed in general classes with kids who have special needs and have other abilities. And, and again, I'm using all the terms because not everybody likes the word disability. Not everybody, everybody, there are, there are those who want to be called disabled. There are lots of different Uh, schools of thought on this just like the autism autistic thing so I don't want to offend anybody just know that I am not standing on one decision here I'm trying to include be as inclusive as I can be with my language but that being said how do we where do I go who do I contact about this you know is a strongly word letter going to be enough is an email the way to go do I stand up in front of a school board and talk do I go schedule a meeting with the superintendent how do I make these changes be put in place so that we don't have this problem ever again. Nobody should ever lose their kid for any amount of time ever, 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 ever. It should never happen and it should not be treated lightly. That's what I have to say. In the meantime, I want to give a shout out to my Act One family. Those of you who went through the Act One program, we're all grieving a little bit right now because uh, we just found out that a classmate of ours has passed away and she 
was in her early 30s and a mom of kids and mom of stepkids and it's really tragic and really awful and there's no details we don't exactly know what happened um there's suspicions of what happened from those of us who knew her but without you know, not to spread rumors or anything like that so i just am just very sad and dana dana lou i love you and i miss you and i'm really really sad that you're gone and all my act one friends uh, and anyone who knew her and her family, I'm just, my heart is breaking a lot. And I, you know, hope we all find some peace soon. So sorry for the super downer of a, an episode today, but I, I wanted to make sure that everyone knew why I hadn't been on, what had happened, and the craziness that went down in my life, because it was it was quite nuts for the first week of school. So um, as we progress, I really do, I will update you if anything changes, and especially after the IEP meeting, if, if anything goes down. And I don't suspect there will be any drama. I think it's going to be a very quick, let's write this out, let's make sure it's said in the way we want to say it, and then everyone sign off on it and we're done. So that's, that's the goal. If you want to respond to my question, which was, what do I do? about this so that we can get some policy changes in place find me on the social medias here's how you can find me at ali a-l-i-r-e-a-l-t-o-r-e-e-l that's ali real to real on facebook and on instagram uh, you can find me on twitter at ali a-l-i underscore goodman and you can find me on Podbean if you want to leave a comment there. Uh, you just look for Acting Up Podcast and we are there. Please share this episode with anyone who has dealt with their school district issues and small group transportation or what have you. Uh, these are things that should be, can be avoided. I um, offer my mistakes so that other people don't make them. That's the whole point, right, is that we pass it on and go forward so that we all do better. We all have to do better and we all can do better. We can be better. We can get better. Um, mistakes have to be made sometimes, but in this case, there were way too many mistakes made. Way too many mistakes have been made. So please know that every time you rate and review this episode on Apple Podcasts or this podcast in general on Apple Podcasts, uh, it, uh, a little a little podcast angel gets their wings. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but what actually happens is it shows up further and faster in the feeds so that people find this podcast. So anybody who might be struggling with similar situations could find it and it could be helpful for them. So yay. Anyhow, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sticking with me and sticking by me during my off, unintended off week. We're holding it together. I've got some really cool uh, episodes coming up in the future. I've already recorded next week's. It's all done. You're going to have a fun uh, guest episode for that and others that will be happening in the future. So um, stick with us and, you know, <laughs> let me tell you, I had to take my own advice a lot last week. So just take it one day at a time, one minute at a time, sometimes one second at a time. Hang in there, friends. We are all in this together.